0: Hi everyone. This week's episode was recorded on the day before the death of Queen Elizabeth II, who passed on Thursday at the age of 96 after reigning for an unprecedented 70 years. Millions of people will be affected by her death. Our thoughts go out to the family and the nation, who will mourn the loss of one of the most significant monarchs in the history of the UK.
1: Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, worst case scenario. I'm Nick Alton of 40%German.com and I'm joined by my co-host, Simon the Gravy Guardian Maddox. How are you,
0: Simon? Is someone after your gravy, are they? They better bloody not be. I'm ready. I'm going to protect this. I'll wrestle anyone that gets close to it. Watch out, y'all. <laughs>
1: yeah, look forward to some gravy references later in the show. Saucy. Yeah, but what's been going on, Simon? This is our, I mean, this has been a week of, I don't know, madness that we've got to talk about.
0: Um, how are you feeling? Yeah, like it's a bit of a shell shop one. Um, many things are afoot and most of them are pretty awful. Uh, <laughs> so I've treated myself, I've mowed my lawn today for the first mm-hmm. time in months and months and months. I have grass growing. And it was very nice to be out again, pushing the old uh, electric mower around the garden.
1: I mean, that's news to me, because the last time I saw your lawn, it looked desiccated, I guess mm-hmm. would be the best description. It was very brown and very dry, and it was in the middle of the summer.
0: Yeah. So is it back to being a slightly greener hue? Parts of it are. There's still a, there's still a couple of areas which have uh, are lacking anything at the moment. But yeah, we had heavy rain, and immediately things were coming back. Mm-hmm. And there's more rain tonight, I know you tell me not to talk about the weather. And so there was <laughs> there was rain like nearly a week ago where I am. And so I'm hoping there'll be more grass. Uh, by the time this comes out, maybe I'll have a whole lawn. I don't know. But I'm off to the UK as well. So I'm hoping when we come back, I'll have a lawn in urgent need of mowing because it's going to be so, so verdant and thick and, and lovely. All right, that sounds fair. Uh... Mm -hmm. Sounds nice. At least you can get a decent cricket pitch out of it, I suppose. It's a bit small. It's going to be like mini cricket. Uh, I'll have to whittle something out of Willow to make this happen, but uh, I'm game.
1: Uh, That's what we all get taught at uh, British school, isn't it? How to make some cricket stumps and uh, and the rules of, I don't know, I don't understand cricket. I've never understood (laughs) it. Don't watch it. Don't understand it. I know they're called wickets. I know you got to wear a box in case the ball hits you in the nards. Look like at you showing off with all your vocabulary. Like you know you know so much. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what a googly is, but, I mean, it sounds difficult, so I'm assuming that's probably something to do with it. It's just really beyond me. So, And that's saying something. I spent after two weeks in Britain that I still mm-hmm. come away without any – actual knowledge of one of the
0: key british sports but it's not like there are people on the street corners preaching the gospel of of wisdom cricket or something (laughs) yeah (laughs) wisdom's almanac on the side Uh, let me read from page 42 (laughs) bold four overs two maidens
1: (laughs) the only experience i've had of a cricket club was watching football or rugby in a cricket club that was where we used to watch the rugby was in a cricket club
0: in my final year at school we had a south african that came over for the final two years uh, called Andres Kruger and he was a stereotypical South African with yeah. a stereotypical name <laughs> uh, but he, he was actually the wisdom schoolboy of the year uh, in our graduation year like he really? was really wow okay the most beautiful cricketer I'd ever seen and I watched a lot of cricket uh, because of him he just mm. he destroyed every single bowler who ever pitched at him and yeah, I think he's a doctor in South Africa now. So I mean, yeah. it's
1: nice when you see someone doing something really well, re- even mm. if you're not that interested. Like watching someone play a sport that you don't really have a lot of interest in is quite nice. But um, frequently I end up watching people who are doing, like most of my sports teams are awful. So most of the times <laughs> I'm watching sport, it's like, that guy needs to be better. Oh my God, why is he so bad? Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've been back in Germany for four days, I think now. I tell you, mate, I'm having a bit of a weird withdrawal. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you're missing the UK, or are
0: you having culture shock with all the Germanness of it all?
1: I mean, I've, I slot back in quite nicely. There's a big Nick houghton shaped hole in Germany that is filled very nicely by my <laughs> uh, my stature. But you know, there's certain things, and it happens more often than not where I see Britain with the eyes I saw Germany when I first moved. Okay. I get off the plane and then you just intake and data essentially like what's that why is that there why is that a vape shop you know like (laughs) all those sorts of things right and so that's the first thing I was thinking about it was I need to find a vape shop can I find a vape shop in my town? No, have to drive all the way to Augsburg to go to one. Whereas where I was based in North Shields in Newcastle, it was like <laughs> twenty-five within within a five-minute walk. There's no problem. So I mean, that's more of a a stupid sort of difference. But things like advertising, like I felt like there was advertising everywhere in Britain, and it just felt there was a lot more billboards, a lot more advertising everywhere, a lot more like adverts that were um like on bus shelters that were animated okay you know like it's like a lot of screens everywhere in Mm -hmm. in northumberland street in the city center and even in sort of small the outskirts and stuff like that so that was a a bit of a, a shock coming back and then seeing like these sort of quite dated looking advertisements for for things like just normal stuff whether it's food shopping or whatever and i just felt a little bit sort of Yeah, it was just obvious that there was a difference. Not that it's a negative entirely. I don't think we need to have screens everywhere. The other thing I noticed is so much of the everyday stuff in Britain is like operated by private companies. Mm -hmm. Like it just feels like there's a lot of things happening and people are like, oh, this is great. There's a lot of events on or there's a lot of like, there's an app for that or X, Y, Z. And even my mum was telling us about this key fob she has that opens all the basically companies service stations uh, shops restaurants that have a disabled toilet but disabled people can pay and get the like a magnet key and it allows them to open all the disabled toilets so they can keep all the disabled toilets locked so that people don't cause absolute havoc in them as we learned from mm. our service station adventures last week yeah british toilets are fucking awful and my instinct when my mom told us is like, how much does that cost? And it's like, nine ninety nine. It's great. A month or no, no, it's nine ninety nine for a year, which is okay. fine. But it's like someone's making money out of that. There's yeah, like yeah. another. It's like everything. There's all these little like simple things like bus timetables have been spun off to somebody, or bus routes have been spun off to somebody, or and what the counterbalance is, it works, it functions, but there's like a, a material cost to everything. Mm. And today, the example of my sort of culture shock, all I wanted to do was buy a ticket on an app for the Strassenbahn, put in my details, I go to pay on my credit card that's registered, that I had to register through a website uh, that's separate from the app and all mm-hmm. this stupid shit. And eventually it was registered. And then it came up and it was, oh, we need a TAN number. Oh my bank tan numbers. My my bank hasn't operated tan numbers for a year. Like they were really like hard on it. Like they were like sending us quite aggressive letters saying you need to you need to move all your sort of information to the new system and you have to fill out this form and blah 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 blah. But the bank is still has a functioning tan system that is obviously connected to this app, no matter whether you're update. And you just like stand there going like, okay, this is like probably made by the state you know how public transport isn't entirely private but isn't entirely public so you can see there's a lot of cost cutting whereas in britain they would just privatize the the route and there would be a private company making money out of it and they would make money out of the app and it would hive all your data and stuff like that and so you see things like that and you're just like like is it good or is it bad i don't even know anymore is it like better is it better to have a functioning app and know that someone's probably making a mint on it on like a public service or is it better to just have a shitty app?
0: I think it definitely forces people to use services like PayPal or mm. Apple Pay because mm-hmm. I say there's a lot of safety tied into using a credit card and a lot of third party payments that require you to log into your bank through your app enter the PIN code to allow a yeah. transaction for two ninety nine. all that kind of nonsense I think we spoke about before for me to order a single ticket on the app for my local, which is also, I think, the largest in Germany, my local uh, public transport network. Via yeah Yeah, uh, yeah, vag. uh <laughs> It's like nine or ten clicks, and that's way too many. It should be two or three. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's a painful thing. And if I use my credit card, it would be fourteen clicks. Um, so yeah, uh, when I was at the the Seal Not Battle the other weekend, everyone took
1: cards. And that was a new thing. Apple Pay, mm. like chip vans and beer tents were taking cards like little stands were taking cards um i went the canteen that's downstairs in our building and they still don't take cards and you say well you a fucking canteen man like what why won't you just take my money why do you have to make why is everything so like just so belabored you know and it's just so lo-fi and i don't usually get frustrated but i think it's when you see the contrast is it better like part of me's like maybe it's better that we just like go back to the barter system and i start just coming <laughs> with a bag of chicken heads and just go here you go sir can i get a labor case sandwich <laughs> with my chicken heads but like i don't know and like, that's the problem at the moment is i can't work out if it's if it's a positive or a negative that we, we have this lo-fi sort of society um or, or whether we should have an update i don't know
0: it's funny. you talked about these like digital advertising signs, and I saw a video the other week about how to hack one of them so you could put your <laughs> ho- own adverts on them. And I was like, "Oh, that's, that's quite interesting." And I was like, "I have no idea where there is one of these near yeah, me," yeah. <laughs> because I say it's not a thing in Germany really. Mm. Um, all my local advertising hoardings are very much old school. <laughs> there's mm. no, there's no plugs on any of these suckers.
1: Mm. <laughs> I think the other side of it, there, was an, there is a cultural element, the ease of conversation. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm speaking a native language, but like the ease with which conversations sort of flow in Britain is nice. Mm-hmm. Even in German, I don't find the conversations don't flow. And this the inherent level of humor that's required for every conversation, regardless of, of whether it's a positive or a negative you're talking about everyone engages in a sort of with an aim of being humorous. People want to be funny. Mm. That's the difficult thing, I think. And it's more probably because I've not been away for so long during the pandemic, but there's things like that where you're like interacting with the guy in the bakery or going to buy something. It all just feels like just a little bit more difficult, but alternatively, like coming back to Germany is nice because it's fucking organized and things work. It does feel like it functions much better the amount of conversations I had with people that were just a guessing game of trying to work out what indirect thing they're trying to tell me is. (laughs) I got bored of that real fast, where people are maybe talking to you and gossiping with you or whatever. They're like so indirect. They couch everything in caveats and... Key phrases or coded phrases that I've found myself more than once saying to friends and family, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, start at the beginning of the story and take me on the journey because I can't follow what you're saying because it's just, it's like unpacking uh, a never ending past the parcel type thing where you're trying Uh to get at the point, but you just don't know. And that really is refreshing to come back and not have to deal with that. The autobahn we drove around the other day, driving at 70 miles an hour, is just, it's the soul killer. Like Mm. the fact that, like I was saying to you last week about stuff being written on roads, like that's the most annoying, stupid concept ever. I would just write all the directions on roads. I was like, oh, look, there's a driving down the autobahn, there's a sign telling me exactly where I need to go. And like I had to drive to see my parents in law. And went through the Landstrasse, so through the villages. And I I didn't even use my sat-nav. I just followed, like, the signs. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if you could do that in Britain because it's like if you miss something that's written on the road because you're actually looking where you're driving instead of looking at the sort of little bit of road in front.
0: I do have one pretty serious gripe about signage on roads here, though. Go on, then. The location of traffic lights is ridiculous. It's pretty wild. uh, Yeah, it is pretty wild, yeah. The last place I really drove often was in the U.S., and the traffic lights are on the other side from you so if you have to look at the light you're just sitting and looking it's visible easily Mm. whereas in Germany they're on you have to like queue next to them and like Mm. you end up cranking your fucking neck and I also am very aware of people looking at me in the car and i don't want people to to sense that i'm looking at them so you're like cranking to look yeah. at this light in a very awkward position where you're like glancing past someone in a van or something and it's like i'm not looking at you i'm looking like but if i'm not if i'm not gone as soon as it's gone green people are going to beep at me um yeah. it's just it's, it's stressful and it's shit and i hate it that's something that didn't happen
1: in Britain. Like you get a pause for thought when the light turns green. You don't get someone instantly hammering their horn to alert you to what's mm. going on, as if you're a blithering idiot. There is a little bit of sense of like decorum in that sense. I tell you what, I did enjoy though lots and lots. I think it was on Saturday. I went into town and I was trying to. Find, I was in a clothing shop and I was trying to find something and I wanted a, a certain size of t-shirt and I took it. I said to the guy who was in the shop, I was like do you have um, like, what was it, an XL t-shirt? And the guy just went, well, I don't know. I, know. <laughs> and I, was just like, I just started laughing. I was like, oh, this is so tall. Dankeschön. And he was like a bit confused. And I said, ah, oh, you war in England, lasta Lester, Lesterwöcke. And uh, they're, they're much nicer. <laughs> and he started laughing. And I was like, I can't believe we're laughing. And I've clearly insulted you. But anyway,
0: <laughs> here we are. It's funny. I had a similar experience this week. Well, I took my bike to the shop uh, to have my brake service. Yeah. And the guy, like Tess, him is I like, said in German, in Franconian, is like, they're squeaking. I'm like, yeah. And he <laughs> looks at me, he's like, why are they squeaking? I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's your job. <laughs> and then he's like, you tell me. He's like, you must have got oil on on the brake. And I just looked at him, and I was like, yeah, but not on purpose. Nigmund <laughs> He just looked at me, he's like, oh, Nigmund <laughs> And then walked uh, yeah. off. And I was just like, what the fuck man this accusatory tone about like like I'm supposed to know oh it's nonsense I have
1: so many conversations like that in Germany where I'm like why was this a conversation why did this <laughs> have to be a conversation where why can't we just have not done this whereas in in Britain you're constantly going like if this is a conversation can you get to the fucking point <laughs> like, so but um, I mean ultimately I think I'm happy to be back of course I'm happy to be back I do love it here but I think there's some there is that initial adjustment that is required uh, but i'm going to austria tomorrow so
0: i bet you yeah, by next week's record i'll be desperately happy to be back in germany <laughs> yeah back in a place where you can understand the german that's being spoken
1: yeah tell me about
0: austria always throws me i'm just like what <laughs> so i was told my german was decent but no apparently nah, it's not here no nah, not at all <laughs> like you're not speaking german unless you're speaking austrian apparently
1: but uh god love them eh yeah they have got vienna and all the mountains so we've got to go there at some point Uh, So, um, yeah, it's nice to be back, I think, in Germany, but tell you what's not (laughs) nice to to discover that my luggage is still somewhere in Munich Airport. Oh, it's in
0: Munich, you know that much? Uh,
1: Who knows? Like KLM don't know where the fuck they've put my luggage. By the way, just so everyone is clear, KLM are the worst, like the worst. If you give them money, like that is a sad state of affairs. I'm refusing from now on. I'm never giving them a single penny. They've been... Obtuse, difficult, unhelpful. I feel so sorry for all their employees because they're just getting dogs abuse from everybody. But mm. like, honestly, the board, the CEO should fucking resign. Like, if I find out they get bonuses, I'm, I'm forming a one man protest down in Amsterdam. <laughs> a big sign saying you're all a bunch of twats. So um they lost my luggage two weeks ago. That's effectively We were coming up to three weeks where I've had no. All my clothes are gone, basically. Like I've got all the clothes that I had were in that suitcase and now I'm down to the bare bones. <laughs> so I'm just like finding t-shirts. Luckily I lost a bit of weight. So some of the stuff still fits, but even still like, come on. And they're just no contact unless you contact them, they'll not contact you. Mm-hmm. And they keep doing this thing where they're like, could you describe five things in a suitcase? And you tell them and they're like, right, great. And then like four or five days later, I go by and you phone someone, you get a different handler. Can you describe five things in your suitcase? And I'm like, we've already done that. Oh, yeah, but you would be helpful if you can just say, like, oh, like, can you just do your jobs properly? So I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm kind of beginning to accept that I'm never going to see that luggage again. I'm never going to see that suitcase again. That's all my clothes, my, like various other things. A couple of watches, pair of hundred euros, trainers, like just gone down the toilet. And there's no recompense because we didn't. Weirdly, and this surprised me, we didn't have traveler's insurance. We didn't? Nah, I don't know That's why. That's really a surprise. I don't know why. I was totally surprised by that. And uh, guess what? KLM probably won't give us any money for it because it's not mm-hmm. their fault, Governor. No, we didn't do anything. It was somebody else. Um, big, A big boy did it. Um, or something like that I don't know so uh, that's not entirely improved my mood so if I was feeling a little bit of malaise from coming back from Britain I've also got a a fiery fury inside because all my favorite
0: pants are somewhere in Munich airport (laughs) 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 yeah yeah I mean it's it's, of course it's a really horrible thing to have to deal with with missing luggage but for such a duration for, for weeks like, you've come back from your holiday. You don't really need it anymore. But obviously, there's a lot of valuables in there. Even if they're not expensive pants, they're pants you have worn in and established yourself in. That's 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 not free. They're my best pants.
1: No, I'm down to the, the strange ones that are you find in the back of the cupboard. You're like, I'd forgotten about these. <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas socks, all of that stuff. Um, I mean, it's all replaceable, right? It's all, it's all it is is a big box of shit, but it's my shit, and I liked it. So, yeah. And as if losing my luggage wasn't enough of a pain in the ass, politics is reared its ugly, stupid face again. I mean, (laughs) what I enjoyed being in the UK, weirdly, that I was in the UK, was I just switched off. I stopped looking at... Mm -hmm. I posted once, maybe twice on Twitter a day. Didn't really look at Twitter. Didn't really look at the news. And I just totally switched off. And then I've obviously switched back on again to the worst time possible because, uh, well... Simon knows this, but we've got a new Prime Minister, haven't we, Simon? Yeah, the primest of Prime Ministers. Yeah, the Prime Prime (laughs) Minister, yeah. Liz Truss was voted by the Conservative Party to become their leader, and by default she will become the next Prime Minister. Like, I'm so fucking exhausted with it. I'm so fucking exhausted with British bloody politics that... It's just like, yeah, this is sending the clowns, just send them in. Send in the fucking the Z-rank politicians to populate the cabinet because they're, they're in the process as we're speaking of announcing all the different cabinet positions. And honestly, they're a list of the biggest bunch of pricks that I've ever come across. Like, honestly, they're so bad. They've just announced Kwasi Kwarteng mm-hmm. as the Chancellor of the Exchequer. And some of you might not know who Liz Truss is, so I can guarantee you won't know who Kwasi Kwarteng is. Kwasi Kwarteng is famous for basically going on television and saying Boris Johnson shit don't stink on every possible occasion. He's also famous for the Owen Paterson affair where he was on television saying, oh, Owen Paterson will not be sacked and we're going to have to change the rules for MPs just at the same point as Boris Johnson was saying, I've sacked Owen Paterson, yeah. making him look like a complete bellend. He's got a very deep voice. That's nice. And he likes the environment. So I suppose those are positives. But he's also going to sit and watch Liz Truss introduce fracking to the UK. Um, So along with the economic crisis and uh, the fuel crisis and the poverty crisis, the social living crisis, we're also going to get some earthquakes as well. that will be nice. Britain, 2022.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We've got earthquakes. Is there a tourism market for Earthquakes? There must be some people that are like, oh, they've got them there now. This is the problem with it, right? I've watched so
1: many of those videos of people applauding Boris Johnson and sycophantic MPs going, is there someone who who said, oh, he was a real hero changed politics? And I'm like... Stop force feeding me shit. Like Mm. you lie. You know you're lying. Like you can't be that stupid to look at him and go like, oh, he's a real hero. Like, what was the heroic thing that he did? And he had a speech where he went through all his achievements, which turns out none of them are achievements. Where he's like, We built forty hospitals. No, you didn't. We hired thirty-five thousand nurses. No, you didn't that we built three high speed rail lines they're not built and you cancelled half of them and it, and the problem is it, they just say shit and put it out there and there isn't just someone like on television going this is a lie this is a lie this is a lie this is a lie just straight to camera just going this is horseshit it all has to be couched in that British sort of it's an untruth it wasn't <laughs> accurate with the facts because everyone's scared of the libel laws in Britain because the libel laws are totally wacky and, and anyway you can't really go to court anymore because the courts are fucking broken because they broke them too. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of court cases that still need to be processed. It just beggars belief, the whole fucking thing. And then now they've made Suella Breverman the, um, another no mark. If you're German and you don't know who Suella Breverman, is you fucking lucky bastards like, you lucky <laughs> bastards it's like if you hired the intern and then made them CEO and then that's probably unfair to interns but she's absolutely <laughs> fucking moronic on a scale that's really quite hard to fully get people to understand how stupid these people are and I know when I say it to people it sounds just biased which it probably is but like well, then you hear these people speaking you're like oh you are like
0: a, a fucking moron right okay well I mean recently she she was effectively the head of the legal profession in terms of government oh God, yeah, man. and I recommend breaking the laws yeah she was actively <laughs> recommending breaking laws and that's an interesting move uh, even Trump's uh, attorney generals weren't doing that so brazenly it is it's, it's, it's a shower of absolute shit there is one shining happy little beacon I found through this though Nick and obviously you spend a lot of time on Twitter um, probably too much yeah, maybe a little bit in these in these difficult times, I think <laughs> more than a few minutes is is too much. There is of course Liz Truss, the MP, uh, the Prime Minister, who is at TrussLiz. But there is also a woman called Liz Truss who is at Liz Truss on Twitter. Mm. And governments have got these two people mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. So she's had messages from the uh, from the government of Sweden <laughs> like congratulating her on her new role. And she's just running with it. She's pretending that she's the Liz Truss, the prime minister, and answering these things legitimately. So to Sweden, she was like, I can't wait to try your meatballs. Um, Another one was like, (laughs) it's one of the royal accounts, I think. her." And she's like, I can't wait to come to Windsor and meet the corgis. This girl was just living her absolute best life on Twitter. And it's great. It's been the absolute highlight of the last 48 hours for me. Um, I hope it goes on for weeks. <laughs> definitely a highlight, I would say, for
1: sure. I think any spot of humor will be eagerly gobbled up in this
0: sort of liminal space between it being a shit show and it becoming a shit show that's on fire. Well, this is our lane trying to shine some funny on the showers of shit that surround us for the last couple of years. This is our bread and butter, our time to shine.
1: I know I wish I could think of something funny to say. All I got is like invective and anger. It is kind of like the Z squad of the football team in the school football team has suddenly become the first team because these are like proper no marks. It's like, I don't know if you could compare it to anything in German politics where the first three layers of actual capable politicians was totally removed and all you've got left are shysters and and people who just say any old shit like Liz Truss just looks dead-eyed she just looks like she doesn't believe anything she says she just looks like I'll just say this because it's got me into a position of power they must all be like thanking their lucky stars I'm assuming they've all got the lottery numbers for next week as well because they've all <laughs> been lucky as fuck to be in those positions
0: I mean Germany isn't perfect in the sense we have had this week Fryer Vela had uh, a show where they had someone dressed up as winner two. On oh the stage. God. Is that the Gallamus thing? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was pretty tough <sighs> to watch. So, I mean,. There are dickhead no marks peddling absolute shites here as well. Uh, well, uh, we're in the middle of it because they've got this thing, this Guillermoose beer
1: festival in Lower Bavaria mm-hmm. where the po- all the politicians turn up because apparently that's their sort of way of kissing babies and shaking hands yeah. and that was it. As someone said the other day, shaking babies and kissing hands. I can't remember which one it was. We <laughs> <laughs> had Marcus Söder, Kevin Kunert, Anton Hoffreiter and uh, Hubert Ivanger, and these were well, Söder's CSU. Kunitz, SPD, uh, Hofreiter's Greens, and Ivanger's um, as uh the Free Voters, which is the, is, as a name goes, that's the most imprecise, yeah. unclear name for a political party. It's like calling them the Things, with a Thing Party, <laughs> with a Person Party, or like, I don't know. They're essentially libertarian, I guess. They're in a coalition with the CSU in the
0: Bavarian um, Parliament. Yeah, they're libertarian, but with a pretty right wing lean. Most of the stuff they feel very strongly about being liberated. What they, I mean, they, they're the only real German party using woke as part of their language these days. Uh, so they're definitely uh, following the conservatives and Republican playbook on stoking culture war it's also childish though i mean we talked about the speech before the record by
1: marcus serda which was just like a litany of shite essentially where he just sort of spilled dog whistle nonsense it just sounded trumpian that's what i thought and i just say oh i'd forgotten you're the guy that insists to be put crucifixes in all public buildings and it's because the Bavarian state elections are coming up next year. So yep. he's obviously kicked into insane gear. But this is pictures <laughs> of like desperate looking middle managers drinking pints of beer, attempting to look like leaders and like men. We're men. Look at us. We're men. Look at us. We're all white men and we're in Bavaria. <laughs> Where's my lady hose? And yeah, uh, oh, I don't wear a dindle because I'm not a woman. And you're just like, oh, shut up, you boring pricks. And his uh, service speech was just an empty sort of diatribe against reality and and the future and he was saying that they were giving kids crystal meth or something and you, what it you said <laughs> about the Berlin, the Berlin yeah, Greens. So he, said, and- he said
0: the Greens from Berlin uh, want to legalise drugs but not only cocaine but also crystal meth It's just um, a total, sh- it's total yeah, shite, it's total shite, it's just again Boris Johnson playbook. Naturally neither of those things are being made legal, cocaine and crystal meth are not going to be made legal Uh, by the Greens anyway never mind the Greens in Berlin Um, yeah but yeah it plays so well with his target audience I mean the average Mm. Bavaria is very traditional when it comes to this kind of stuff definitely the hardest drug laws in the country and him saying Crystal Meth is gonna raise some hackles on Mm. these CSU anger cats it's sad to see it is it makes you realise that we live in one of the weirdest parts of Germany politically Mm. It isn't modern, forward-looking. It isn't a metropolitan approach to anything. It's it's the antithesis of that, and that can be quite hard to to be reminded of. But soda does a great job <laughs> reminding you that there's an absolute melt <laughs> running the state. And it's just like like I just I think he's a he's a
1: pure opportunist. This is a great example of the kind of shit that he's coming out with. He was criticizing the national health secretary Carl Lauterbach, mm. who's SPD for scaremongering because of the coronavirus, which is still a thing, entirely forgetting that he was the one who introduced the hardest lockdowns, the hardest restrictions, was doing it in such a way as to be like the first one to do it. The very fact that he was able to get into a position where he was a challenger for the leadership of the uh, CDU, which is the CSU's sister party, uh, the national party, the CDU, the Christian Democrats the reason he got in that position was based on his approach to lockdowns and he was seen as a safe pair of hands and now he's like oh he's just scaremongering about the pandemic oh. and he's just like is there a capable politician who can stand up well there is there's harbeck but we're not allowed to talk about him because he's uh, currently in a bit of hot water with some of the uh, nuclear power plants but harbeck mm. for my money is like at least he stands and takes it I don't think Söder would take it. I'd love to see a debate between them. I think he'd, Harbeck would run rings around Marcus Söder, but then that would mean that was a national debate, and I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want no, Marcus Söder no, on the no, on the no, national no, no. stage bad enough that he's the Minister President of Bavaria, let alone in position to become the Chancellor of Germany. That would just make a fucking world ending, to be honest.
0: I mean, also with his current like attacking of Lauterbach and being like, oh, the rules are too strong. It wasn't that long ago that there was an opportunity to get rid of masks. And Bavaria decided to keep them on on often a care on public transport. Mm. You could now wear a surgical one. It wasn't just FFP5 or to use the the local FFB5. Mm. So yeah, he he obviously isn't that stringent in his beliefs. No. He knows the load of right wing like anti vax querdenker hate Lauterbach, and there's votes to be won, mm-hmm. and. He's won them now. Yeah, I think that's exactly. And now we can it, yeah. carry on trying to win the next batch of people because these people just be like, "Oh yeah, remember when mm-hmm. Söder said that shit about Lauterbach? Good man, good egg," and it's not going to do anything. The actual event itself was was it on a weekday. Yeah. i think it was on a weekday right
1: so who's in a beer hall on monday on a monday afternoon yeah retirees <laughs> exactly like people who are just like scared of it what is tiktok i don't understand what's a digger i don't understand oh, there's a person of color i don't understand and they're just like shitting themselves like and they're just they were just like a like a bunch of terrified geriatrics and i'm just like why you appeal to them because old people vote but actually they're not particularly forward thinking and, and if you want to bring Bavaria into the, well, the 20th century, let alone the 21st century, <laughs> it's, going to, it's going to take a little bit. But the Süddeutsche Zeitung article I was reading was titled Herr Söder and die Richtung schneller als ein Wetterhahn. And Wetterhahn mm-hmm. is the German for weathercock. Which brings me to one of my favorite Stuart Lee jokes where he was talking about David Cameron, but I'll use it for, for Marcus Suda. And it's like, I like to, to describe Marcus Suda as, as a weather cock because, you know, he tends to shift in the breeze with the political choices, but also because I always like to ask myself whether he has a cock. <laughs> you can cut that bit out. That was my own benefit. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I think I think I'm still angry.
0: Um. <laughs> when you ask people, anyone, any person on the face of God's green earth, what's German food? It's only a matter of time before we hear the word sausage. It is the number one identifier, I guess, internationally for German food, and this rings true. Sausage life is key here. It is an important part of integrating and. I'm delighted to say that we have the world champions in not only our country, in our state. In fact, my region. Your city. Your city, my friend. As he's a Dorf Metzger. He's a village butcher, so I'm not going to claim him, but he is Frankish. He is Franconian. And so we have the world champion sausage makers. Wow, what a time to be alive. Uh, so if you do want to test this this guy's wares. You need to head down to Murlendorf uh, and seek out the good Herr Reck, Jürgen Reck, who is the European and world champion. He won them both. What a man. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, he didn't do it alone. He had his team, which he um, was named, I don't know. I mean, I guess this is their official name, the Butcher Wolf Pack, is what he yeah. calls it, which sounds a little bit hardcore, but still. It wasn't just sausages he won for, mind you, because. The actual challenge is uh, this World Butchers Challenge, which was in, I think it's Sacramento.
0: Yeah, Sacramento, Sacramento.
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we traveled all that way. Uh, It's a three-hour and 30-minute competition uh, where you are given, or the teams are given, a side of beef, a side of pork, a whole lamb, five chickens, and then they have to transform this into a themed display of uh, what they call value-added products. Teams are allowed to provide their own seasoning, spices, marinades, and garnish to finish products that are designed to inspire and push the boundaries. Um, yet these are also cookable and would sell in a retail setting. Then they are scored by independent judges and are on technique and skill, workmanship, product innovation, overall finish and presentation. Which makes me wonder,
0: Simon, do you think part of their presentation was a Met Eagle? i hope there was a met eagle they're like oh shit we got some leftovers can get me an onion (laughs) now tell some our german listeners will definitely know what a met
1: eagle is but simon tell the non-german listeners what a met eagle is unless they if you've never come across one met
0: eagle uh met eagle is something very very different it's very hard to talk english and throw in german (laughs) words uh met eagle so, I mean, I guess if we had to translate uh, Met Eagle, uh, maybe a party hedgehog would be a nice way of describing it. It is a raw pork hedgehog. Um, there is no hedgehog in the Met Eagle, but basically you get, you get a load of, of raw pork, you shape it with your hands into the shape of a hedgehog, and then you create spikes from onion shards, and then you, you place your onion shards in your Met Eagle, and then you get I guess olives are probably the most common choice. Uh, you form a nose and some eyes, and then you have uh, a sort of living nightmare meat <laughs> hedgehog. And these were these were big in the 70s. I think they've died off now. I've not seen a real one, but my Google search history, I've, I've done it multiple times. I've just had a look because I'm kind of fascinated by it. There are, of course, issues uh, with eating raw pork, <laughs> so you do need to be careful about where you eat your Met Eagle um, don't just like if you walk in and see one hanging around probably best leave it because there is the uh, of course there are guidelines this is Germany there are guidelines there is the Hackfleischverordnung, uh, which is uh, the guidance for minced meat uh, and that means the pork has to be at 2 degrees uh, celsius at all times and that's not very realistic out in a party environment Uh, and a fat content of less than 35%. Uh, So don't want a a fatty hedgehog if you're doing this. Yeah, I've not seen one in the wild. I've seen people eating Met. That's quite,
1: it's like a breakfast food, I think, for a lot of people there.
0: Yeah, there were lots of places all over, primarily more in the north, where Met is a bit bigger. Um, But yeah, it's basically raw pork uh, spread onto bread with onions, um, raw white onions. It's, It's a hearty way to start the day. And it is quite an offensive uh, smell. If you if you pick up onion smells on people, then the Met sandwich is is going to gonna ring those alarm bells. I'm not allowed them because of my wife. She doesn't like it when I stink of onion. I've, I was looking
1: on their Instagram to see if they had a picture of their display. There's a picture of a display. I'm not sure if it's the winning display. And, of course, it's got some Brita and things like that, which are really nice. It's got like a, a meat on a spit and lots of different options. So it does look very nice what they created. But um, they weren't the only winners. Actually, I think we'd appreciate this for sure. There was a British winner involved because they they also choose the six outstanding butchers and they're like teamed up into a group and they're sort of marked on innovation, teamwork, things like that. And the captain of this super group of outstanding butchers (laughs) is a Mr. Simon Taylor. It's bloody Simon again. Simon's everywhere. I tell you, too many Simons. That's my point. Innovators, we are. (laughs) Brave innovators,
0: full of inspiration.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's not biased or anything. Uh, Simon Taylor of (laughs) Team Great Britain is at the helm uh, as captain, and this group of outstanding butchers uh, hold their title until 2024, and they will represent the World Butchers Challenge as official ambassadors. And you've got someone from Ireland, Italy, France, uh, Germany, and Australia, and that makes up this sort of super group of butchers. But... um, I didn't really think about there being a world butchers championship,
0: but I guess, or a world butchers challenge. But I'm kind of into it. I quite like it. I mean, I, I haven't eaten meat in a few weeks, and um, this hasn't changed my position. I, I'm curious how you can gauge. Inspiration is one of the guides of the scoring system. I don't know what that means uh, in terms of forming value-added meat products. This hasn't made me hungry, but I'm, I'm very happy for this good village butcher uh, from my neck of the woods to win the, uh, the world championship. It is good for the region. Uh, and of course, our region, the Nuremberger Ross breakfast, is a famous one. So hopefully one of those was, was part of his display. Good fingers if he, if he was building a, <laughs> feel like a meat man. <laughs> like a man The a meat. It's the best for the, for the digits <laughs> a man. meat man.
1: I'll imagine if you turn up with this. This is my competition entry. It's a man made entirely of meat. <laughs> Like you just get thrown out wouldn't you you just get chucked out It's psychotic yeah. whatever this is
0: but um, I, I don't know I, I, they're so close we should go and visit them the queue will be round the block now my local butcher's already pretty expensive and they're not world champions yeah. I trying to think what this guy's markup is now uh. so sausages big in German culture a big thing in British culture to go with those sausages is of course gravy uh sauce uh to use the german and sauce and gravy are not the same thing they are similar they are cousins uh but a good english gravy is something that is to be cherished and i say this knowing that nick is an aficionado of gravies he prepares his own gravies with real love and dedication whereas i'm a lazy git who just buys oxo uh, and mixes in some boiling water nevertheless Gravy is not just for eating, it turns out. It is also for wrestling in. That's right, listener. We're going on a journey to Lancashire and the World Gravy Wrestling Championships are back, baby. Uh, after a two-year break due to COVID.
1: I didn't even know they'd gone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, COVID took a lot from us and it took this as well. World Gravy Wrestling Championships are back and it is is—it's a sight to behold. I recommend a video Uh, If you Google it, there are plenty. Uh, Fancy dress, wrestling and lashings of gravy um, are involved in, quote, one of the world's craziest culinary competitions. Um, And yeah, this is the 12th, the 12th annual World Gravy Wrestling Championships at the Rosen Bowl Pub in Rossendale, Lancashire. And that is something that's incredibly beautiful about British pub culture. That there are pubs all over the UK that have world championships for random-as-fuck sports that take place in their car park or in their garden, whether it be shin-kicking, cheese-tossing, face-slapping, or gravy wrestling. And I am here for it. It is amazing. Uh, and the, the, the pub restaurant manager, Carol Lowe, said, it's amazing to be back. And I have to agree with Carol. It is amazing. There is that like cultural element in britain of
1: just ridiculous sports that have no real like sort of the cheese rolling is the one that comes to mind right but Mm -hmm. you had things like like hammer throwing like with an actual hammer or like sort of um, welly tossing welly tossing cycling in a in in a bog um that kind of thing just it seemed just excessive but eccentric i guess is the best word but uh i was like oh is another one of these sort of ridiculous sports like there's there's always there's always one and i was quite cynical and then i read it was actually a charity event and they raised funds for the east lancashire hospice so yeah more power to them more gravy wrestling for charity i would say it's an interesting idea but yeah it looks it looks wild i mean there's part of you that sort of looks at it and goes, "I can't be that hard to wrestle in gravy." But then you think about it; it must be fucking impossible. I don't know how
0: you do it. I don't know how to score it either, to be honest. What what I think is really to be celebrated about this is this is like wrestling in different liquids and fluids. is something that's done all over the world. I don't say the word fluid. The, the word yeah. fluids made me feel really uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> viscous things
1: i like it when you say
0: viscous (laughs) Uh, but like jelly wrestling or like ky wrestling these are both things that happen in movies and and college campuses and it's just it's sexual whereas there is nothing sexual at all about the british gravy wrestling world championships and i think that is a real it's a crowning achievement because if the Americans did this, it would be rude. But we're doing it and it's just like, it's innocent and hearty and, and for people that are in hospice and that's just good across the board. Um, and yeah, the atmosphere was bouncing uh, according to, to onlookers. I think we should try and go next year and report live from the event <laughs> report live will
1: commentate on the gravy wrestling i was trying to think of like how do you do it i mean i guess it, are you pinning people or is it is it sort of olympic wrestling rules where you you have to get sh- like sort of shoulders down or something like that
0: no it's, it's not it's none of that at all you're you're actually you're judged on very sort of quite random criteria your, your outfit uh, is one that is fancy dress recommended the male winner was dressed as ali g Uh, and the female winner was wearing a superhero outfit of some sort. I don't know which one. And comedy, I think, being entertaining uh, is another key criteria. I think you do have to be dominant uh, in the wrestling, but you don't have to pin for three. Uh, You don't have to toss them out of the gravy pit. But yeah, it's, it's just... Good natured jollity,
1: um, <laughs> I, I love it. I think this is great. I think it's a fantastic idea. It does beg the question: like, can you do a suplex in gravy? Yes, like you can. Can, can you do a rock bottom in gravy? Can you do a power lift? Here is one. What is it? Those Mex- the Mexican wrestlers, the um, Hurricane Rana, the Luchadors. Yeah, the Luchadors, where they do the the sort of jump on your shoulders and then flip mm-hmm. you over. I have a feeling that would go awry quite quickly. Doing anything kind of.
0: Extreme or jumping
1: off a turnbuckle or something like that might be a problem.
0: Yeah, there are no turnbuckles, there are no ropes, and the floor is a pub car park. <laughs> like you don't, you don't have like a sprung uh, surface to like to aid you in your bounce. Yeah. Uh, so no, I didn't see any any real mad flying shit. So no DDTs is what you're telling me. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I didn't see any DDTs. I think someone might drown with a DDT, and this is of course the risk. <laughs> You could end up killing someone if you really try and pin them uh, too hard in this. Also, interestingly, the gravy, vegan. I right, think that, that really, shows really? how far we've come. Yeah. I'm sure I it mean, wasn't in the first annual, but 12th annual, they've gone vegan, which I think is I'm, also to be applauded. Oh, well, it just opens it up, isn't it, really? I mean, ultimately, you're wrestling in it, not eating it. So it's, <laughs> it seems pretty fair. Um, I think you do end up eating a fair bit of it, though, if you are. <laughs> I don't think you get out without a mouthful of gravy along the way.
1: I'm looking at the photos now. There was plenty of people who had uh, luchador masks. But there's there's also someone who accidentally got naked, I guess. (laughs) I have a feeling that that is a little bit of a, like, play into the gallery. It does seem quite sort of WWE, performative, kind of storyline-y maybe. There's a lot of that uh, just by the look of it. So it does look quite entertaining. But I'm just going back to that point about in America, maybe this would be a little bit more of like a... A sexy competition. There's something inherently unsexy about brown liquid and being covered in it. (laughs) And you see the pictures, you're like, oh, 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 dear. (laughs) Oh dear for you <laughs> that's all i can think all the way through but yeah i mean there's, a, there's another question i'd like to ask you what would you wear for your gravy
0: wrestling debut it would be, it'd be a fine debut was, I, th- I think you'd have to go for right. like a hulk hogan outfit or something <laughs> i have worn that once before there are there are photos of me at the rugby sevens tournament in 2005 in london where i was dressed as hulk hogan and i met like six other hulk hogan's that day and we had an immediate bond it was a real fraternal spirit <laughs> it was great what about you what would you wear
1: well you know my favorite wrestler of all time was the ultimate warrior so something with tassels Oh, <laughs> that's the only way to do it if you're going to be the ultimate warrior because i feel personally he would make the perfect gravy wrestler ultimate warrior
0: kinetic energy that's what i reckon i mean it's a good shout for sure um but the person that i was thinking so you, you want a showman because you are trying to win the crowd over and rick flair is the person that came to mind i think you get one hell of an outfit yeah oh i'm not having that rick Flair, fancy fancy outfit on rick flair he'd get the crowd all g'd up with his golden tongue are we are we slam slamming
1: oh my god oh no it
0: cannot be it's the slam slam
1: okay so you all know the rules of schlanslam this is the way it works i choose a side simon chooses a side and then we slap fight our way through a small a really angry conversation it turns out for some inexplicable reason simon's decided to choose rick flair as his candidate for the, the potential best gravy wrestler of all time whereas i've obviously and sensibly gone for the ultimate warrior now i'm desperate to know simon why the fuck did you choose rick flair of all the wrestlers you could have chosen do you know the years active
0: that he had he has been active forever like he's the eternal wrestler you know he's always wrestling he's literally <laughs> done it for 50 years 1972 <laughs> to today to 2022 rick flair is still at it the man is 73 and wrestlers don't live to 73 that's so, true. Ric Flair is obviously, he's been touched by God somewhere along the way. And if he can handle wrestling at 73, he can handle some gravy. I'm sure of it. I mean, my problem with Ric Flair was
1: always, he was the most celebrated wrestler. And I remember when he came into WWF, oh, so many years ago when I was a little kid, and I remember him coming on and, and the commentator saying how great he was. And I was like, Who's this blonde wanker, like in a, in, a, in a shiny robe? His only sort of discernible skill was the fact that he would say "woo" really loudly, and that was seemed to be absolutely it. That was all he did. Whereas the ultimate fucking warrior, mate talk about an experience if we're saying that the benefit of rick flair was that he was sort of the marathon i've chosen the sprintiest of sprinting uh wrestlers. <laughs> literally sprinted to the ring as a famous wrestling match where he defeated the honky tonk man in i think two minutes he ran at the yeah. ring power lifted him smashed him around a bit and then pinned him now i understand that wrestling is fake but for the for the gravy wrestling is not fake right Okay. Gravy <laughs> no. wrestling is real. And I think it's that kind of energy that, that the Ultimate Warrior would bring to the gravy wrestling championships that would see him through uh, that, that 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 sort of anger. I guess the running is going to be difficult in gravy filled boots. I mean,
0: also, I don't know how cocaine is going to react with gravy. <laughs> I think he, he might get into the ring be like, what's going on with this viscosity? What's happened to me? I don't think he's going to be processing with the same kind of clarity that Mr. Flair will be. All right, so you're saying that uh, old Ric
1: Flair was entirely clean for his entire career? Is that where we are? We going with that story? Are we? Are we going to run with this? He
0: was called the Nature Boy, and I, I think there's no way he would have misled anyone, uh, and there's no way at any point in his career did he even consider taking steroids or anything like that. No, 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 no.
1: I mean, I don't want to, I want to delve into this libelous topic at all, but (laughs) but I would say if we're talking about eighties and early nineties wrestlers, you're definitely talking about fuck ton of steroid use. Uh, That's just the truth of it. And if you look at the ultimate warrior through his, his various phases, you can tell the bits where he's definitely juicing because he looks like he's made of pure concrete. I guess the gravy element is going to be tricky, but I I suspect that the technical wrestling skills of Ric Flair are going to be no match for the, the sheer ferocity with which the Ultimate Warrior would uh, charge into that pool of brown sludge and <laughs> vegan gravy. Envisioning some kind of uh, drop kick, some kind of power lifting moment, and then the uh, one, two, three. That's all I'm seeing. And he'll leave victorious, his, ha- his glorious hair covered in a deep, <laughs> rich gravy. <laughs> his mask outline shining through the brown <laughs> you've got it mate you're with me you're with me so you're going to finally admit it then that rick flair is clearly not the gravy fighter of choice
0: <sighs> yeah I, I may have made a mistake with rick flair alma warrior is basically the, the best looking wrestler ever in terms of outfits. so you got me there yeah rick flair is sort of the Liberace in terms of outfits and i mean they're eye-catching there's no doubt about it but i think The crowd of people in a pub car park in Lancashire are going to be more drawn to the cocaine-fueled antics of the Ultimate Warrior. I think he is going to win this fight, unfortunately. In
1: fairness, I I wouldn't want to declare a definitive winner between us. I think that's definitely up to the listener. But the listener's already won because they get the mental image of prime Ric Flair and prime Mm. Ultimate Warrior wrestling in a big pool of gravy. Think about it. Drink it in, listener. Drink it in. That's what we would do if we were gravy yeah. wrestling. <laughs> I need chips with that. <laughs> so, to finish the show, we thought we'd just introduce a slightly weird fact we came across on Twitter the other day. And this is a tweet from Chris Sams. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Neither do I. At Jared14, if you care to look him up. But this little tidbit really did speak to us, and you'll see why. In 864 AD in Worms, Germany, a court found that a hive of bees should be suffocated in the hive for stinging a man to death and the honey destroyed as it might be demonically tainted. Now, <laughs> I'd like to think that that was basically a dark ages process, but I have a feeling there's parts of Bavaria that would follow that same legal precedent. <laughs>
0: What do you think is punishment fitting the crime there, Simon? It does seem quite harsh. Obviously, stinging a man to death—it's not a happy thing at all—and there has to be some sort of repercussion. But I think just moving the bees away from the general population would probably suffice. And um, I love this sort of this era, uh, as you say, of of, of modern thinking. Okay, yeah, they killed the man. They're definitely demonically tainted. The devil's involved here, clearly, no question. Uh, I like this certainty about how involved Lucifer is in, in the honey-making process. <laughs> yes, he's, he fucking loves his honey, that, uh, that Satan.
1: Uh, this is obviously in the in this period they called the Dark Ages, and this is where I put my history hat on and talk in a sort of slightly squeaky accent. Actually, <laughs> um, I mean, it's only because we don't really know much about them. They weren't entirely backwards. There was quite a lot of connections, but it is pre-Enlightenment, pre-Reformation, Renaissance, pre-Copernicus and Galileo, pre-basically sort of, I think it's uh, it's pre-most of the advances that you would see in the sort of Middle Ages at least, uh, this is very early Middle Ages, and it does not surprise me that, that their thinking was, Bees stung this man. They must be demonic. But it does beg the question: they knew that bees stung people, right? Mm-hmm. Like you would think, you would assume so, right? <laughs> you would assume that they would be aware that that was a that was a thing that they could do. But uh I do like that they straight away just went probably the devil, it's probably Satan in it. <laughs> Can't be anyone else. um It does remind me of something though that's quite funny. That um this being eight six four A.D. in Germany and them thinking bees are demonic in some way makes a lot of sense. I've got a comparable story from the northeast of England, except this was during the Napoleonic Wars. There were obviously um, various concerns about spies and about the French coming over and infiltrating Britain and causing various different issues. Uh, There was a shipwreck on the coast of Hartlepool uh, during the Napoleonic Wars. And uh, the only survivor of the shipwreck was a monkey. And the monkey washed ashore. And of course, the people of Hartlepool had never seen a fucking monkey before. (laughs) And uh, uh, they asked it some questions, and it replied in monkey. (laughs) And they, they assumed, not entirely erroneously, that it might be speaking French, and therefore might be a French spy. So they did what anyone else would do with a potential French spy, which was uh, they took it off and uh, put it on trial. Um, And uh, because Mm -hmm. the monkey obviously was unable to answer any of their questions, and no one had ever seen a monkey before, nor had they seen a Frenchman, um, they concluded that the monkey was a French spy, and so they found it guilty, took it outside and hung it. Uh, and that's where you yep. get the the story. Uh, the people of Hartlepool are forever known as the Monkey Hangers. Some who find that quite distressing. Some others don't. And yeah, the the even the Hartlepool um, FC, I oh, was at Hartlepool United, I think it is. Uh, their mascot is HANGUS the monkey, spelt H apostrophe mm-hmm. Angus HANGUS the monkey,
0: the yeah. official mascot of Hartlepool United. It's quite on the nose, A that one, bit. isn't it? It's I like the A name, little bit. but it is like, oh yeah, we did this. We're we're all we don't like anyone talking about it, but look at. Yeah, monkey mascot. yeah exactly we're allowed to talk about it just nobody else i've also often wondered how do you actually hang a monkey because surely if you put a rope around a monkey's neck it's gonna grab onto the rope above it and just pull itself up you'd have to like to tie down all limbs i'm, I'm assuming
1: they tied its hands up but I, who knows um it's not, in some ways it's, it feels like the medieval um nut jobs in in 864 or whatever it was in worms were slightly more humane in some way
0: that you is know? that is true I also quite like the deal though, some people in Hartlepool walking around and just being like ah, 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 thinking they're speaking French. <laughs> it's it's how they order in French restaurants. <laughs>
1: that
0: brings us to the end of the show we're off to prep some gravy and slap on our leotards get Whoa. this baby <laughs> if you're enjoying the podcast give us a rate on itunes it only takes a minute and really helps also rate on spotify chuck some stars our way we love them stars we'll feel like champions of the gravy ring retweet us share a post or link with the hashtag decades from home or lowercase on Twitter or the Instagram. You can also support our lovely podcast by going to kofi.com forward slash decades from home and contributing to keep us well stocked in gravy granules. Oh yeah. We need some of those gravy granules. Again, mm.
1: I've been looking at the star ratings. We've had a few more. We've got um, a few new listeners. So hello, new listeners. Hiya. Um hope you enjoyed the show. Um keep it up, star ratings, keep retweeting, putting us out there because it's it's really helping, it's really supporting the show. And given that we don't ask yeah. <laughs> really anything from you other than the occasional cup of coffee uh, it's the least you could do you ingrates
0: is uh, <laughs> <laughs> an interesting <laughs> ingrates. I mean yeah
1: it's, it's maybe not maybe we will not put that on posters right um, okay <laughs> as ever if you have any questions feedback or maybe an article or topic you would like us to cover you can tweet Simon on at decades from home and you can tweet me at 40 percent German you can also get us on 40 percent German at gmail.com if you have time take a look at 40 percent German dot com weekly articles are up here every Saturday all that's left to say is thanks und bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss! Ciao! Ciao.